You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good Saturday morning to you, everybody, and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Rob, good morning. Good morning, Gary. How you doing? Um, oh boy, I tell you, hanging in there. I, you, you know what? It's a daily struggle, my friend. Of course. Yeah, you know, but you got to hang in there, even though it's hard. You know, you it's... well, you talk to people. Right? Some people have hard lives. Oh, Some people yeah. have it easier than others. But you, you know, you you talk to all walks of life. I do. I, and I'm thankful every day for, uh, you know, some of the things I've been fortunate for. But you get a lot of perspective. And it's really a matter of trying to help people move to that next level, whatever mm-hmm. that may be. Sure. You know, everybody's in a different circumstance. Today, what I really wanted to focus on, Gary, you know, since it is still early in the year, mm-hmm. is there's a lot of listeners that are going to be going through the mortgage process over the next several months, whether it be buying their first home, an investment home, or refinancing like we've been talking about. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity to go over some best practices during the process, whether you're buying or refinancing, because it can make it an easier process, a more stress-free process, and a quicker process. This is something that I try to touch on with all my clients, but we're always so limited on time. So I wanted to just really devote an entire episode to peeling that onion back and going through best practices in all different areas of the mortgage process. All right. Well, in that case, why? why? Why is it important to know and implement best practices when getting a mortgage? So a mortgage can be a complicated process. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people involved. I mean, it takes a village to close a mortgage. It really does. Um, We're talking about loan officers, processors, underwriters, closers, title companies, attorneys, appraisers, etc. That's just a you know, the surface of the people involved. There's a lot of others. But because there's so many moving parts and so many things involved, there's a lot of opportunity for things to get screwed up. And it happens all the time. There's a lot of details that can that can get missed. Um, and there's a million things that can go right or wrong. So if we can really facilitate our clients knowing these best practices, we can make sure that The issues are minimal, if at all. And it's one of the things that I really uh, am proud of, that my clients have such a great process because we implement these best practices. Um, Every one of my new clients gets a document called Keys to Success, Mm -hmm. and that has a lot of these written out. Will each mortgage company uh, or even a loan officer such as yourself have individual best practices or... I, I don't know. Or, or, or can these be used for, in, let's say, industry-wide? Yeah, I think generally they can be used industry-wide because, okay. you know, almost every mortgage company is offering the same type of products. What I mean is conventional mortgages through Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA loans, VA, USDA. Um, you might have a bank or a credit union that only offers one product, but sure. that's few and far between. Most offer similar programs. So the best practices we'll be covering here are really applicable no matter who you're using for your mortgage. However, um, you know, 
each company also has their own technology stack or their own uh, group of products that they use to facilitate the mortgage process. Um, I'm talking about document portals, e-signing, you know, e-signature portals, things of that nature. So depending on what tools and portals they're using, they may have specific best practices for each of those. But again, generally, these are industry-wide. And no matter if you're getting a mortgage now or you know, six months from now or whatnot, these will be applicable. Just know that if you're listening to this many years down the line, these things do change, guidelines change, and how loans are underwritten changes sometimes several times a year. So you will want to just double check with your loan officer or advisor on some of these items before you actually move forward with implementing them. I would imagine that there are some main areas of friction <laughs> during the mortgage process, mm -hmm. uh, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What are some of the... Yeah, there, there's quite a few. I would say the number one area of friction, and I hear this from a lot of my realtor partners as well as borrowers that are getting mortgages, it's communication. Really, it yeah, is. Yeah. Because the mortgage process, it's not a three-day process. In most cases, you're looking at anywhere from 30 to 90 days to get a mortgage. Yeah. Obviously, on my side, I try to get them done in more of that 30 to 45 day. But there are some banks and credit unions that are taking 60 to 90 days or even longer to do a mortgage. So because it's so long, there's a lot of communication that needs to be done with all the different parties involved through the process. And that can really cause an issue because everybody communicates differently, right? Mm -hmm. So what I try to identify when it comes to communication to avoid friction during the process is when can somebody be reached? Okay, if you're my borrower, you're my client, when can I reach you to talk about things? Do you work like from nine to five? Can you not pick up your phone? Can you answer texts? Can you answer emails? Everybody's different, especially now with people working from home. A lot more people are a lot more accessible, right? But I have some clients that say, Rob, you can't even call me before four. I can't talk to you. I can't text. I can't do anything. Other people say, if you need to reach me before six at night, send a text because I can't talk or emails my preferred method of communication. Mm -hmm. And I find that out very early in the process because I want to meet people where they're at, not drag them with me. Right. Sure. So a lot of my younger clients, they're like a hundred percent fine with doing everything by email and text. I have clients right now that I've maybe talk to once, if that, during the whole process. Oh, wow. Everything else is being done by email and text. And oh. it can be because they told me that's what they prefer. All right, so, so the communication the is communication, there. It's the different means of... Or, and, and, different uh, means. And yeah. then different types of communication, meaning like, what about the status of my loan? So if I have a question, I'm you know, 30 days into the process and I want to know where's my loan at in process, how can I find that out? Do I call my loan officer? Does he have an assistant? Do I go online where I can see maybe like a timeline of where we're at? So that's where the communication is, is key. And that's the number one friction. So my way of handling that, my best practice is number one, identifying the information up front, right? Mm -hmm. Like how people want to communicate, when they want to communicate. Number two is I have an online portal that I use called Flowify that shows everybody, everybody meaning the borrower, the realtor, and other people we can invite in where we're at in the loan process. There's like 10 steps. It'll show you what step we're at and when we're anticipated to go to the next step, all the different deadlines, where we're at as far as meeting them. So that's huge. Realtors absolutely love that. And I know I'm one of the few loan officers in the state that actually uses that sort of technology um, you know, where it actually works. Because as you know, with technology, sometimes things can backfire. This will send you emails, text messages, all sorts of notifications 
notifications. So there's like communication overload, but I found that that's a good thing when it comes to getting a mortgage in real estate. You want more communication. So the next uh, the next piece of friction is going to be documentation because there's so many documents needed. We're in a, a business that revolves around documenting things and explaining things and showing things in writing. That's what a mortgage is all about. So what is the documentation that's needed? We need to communicate that. And what is the way that they can get that to me or to my company the easiest? Again, do you prefer to scan an email? Do you like to take pictures on your phone? Um, do you Are you old school? Do you want to fax? I've had people that they don't use email or anything. They want to fax it. That's fine. We can facilitate all well, meeting this. Meeting in person. You talk about of old Of course, school. meeting in person. And I still do that. But with COVID and everything, it's just less prominent. So a lot of people, I would say the majority are more so using electronic means, which would be fax and scan or email or text. Those would be the main ways of documentation. But again, we need to find out how do you prefer as someone getting a mortgage? How do you prefer to actually send your documents to us so we can make sure it's going to be compliant and it's going to work? Um, and then also timelines for documents like if I ask you for a pay stub and you take two weeks to get it to me, it's going to be a problem to meet deadlines on a mortgage transaction. We need to have the understanding that when I ask for something, it's because it's absolutely necessary and required. And I don't need it that minute, that hour. Some people get it that quick, but 24 to 48 hours is a reasonable timeline to get documentation to your loan officer. If you take longer than that, then you risk derailing the mortgage process. And sometimes it's not the loan officer that you're needing to get this document to. It might be their processor or their assistant that can then get it to the underwriter. So it's important you know who, what, where, and how to get these documents through. And those are the two biggest um, issues and friction points when it comes to the mortgage process. Yeah, it's very interesting. It, it really is. I didn't realize it was that, uh, you know, that quick that you, you a loan officer needed that and, and that it would derail the entire it can because we process. have rate locks that we have deadlines sure. okay. and then if you're buying a home there's deadlines on there there's typically a mortgage contingency deadline which is when we need to have your loan fully approved and underwriting that can be just a few weeks after you start the process so we really need to move things along with ordering appraisals and getting all these documents to meet those deadlines if not you could be in breach of contract and i would say that you know, there are circumstances where people can't find a document. Maybe we're asking for an old divorce decree from five years ago or something. It's just not right there. <coughs> so in those cases, it's okay if it's going to take you longer, but going back to communication, shoot a text, an email, a call, say, hey, I'm having problems getting the document you're asking for. I talked to my CPA or I talked to my financial advisor. They're going to get it to me, but they said it might be by the end of the week, it might be three days. Let us know. We can like, there's a lot that can be done and there's really just so much value in communication during the process. I think in the current situation we're in with like electronics and everyone glued to their phones, I think a lot of people take for granted communication and they let things go, but that can't be done during the mortgage or home buying process. You really need to be upfront and honest and you just can't think, oh, I'm going to ignore it and it'll take care of itself because it won't and it will screw things up. Talk about, some of the best practices around, let's say, credit and debit when getting a mortgage. Credit and debt. I'm definitely. sorry, debt. Credit yes. and debt. So these are huge. Um, these are really, really big. And a lot of people don't even think about these, which is why I wanted to do this show today. The first best practice around credit and debt is going to be do not do any inquiries on your credit report 
after you put in your mortgage application without discussing it with your loan officer. Oh, yeah. I would say this comes up about 30 to 40% of the time if I don't cover it with my clients ahead, which I, I do try to. And this is like any inquiry, whether it be a credit card, a student loan, an auto loan, your brother asked you to co-sign his lease on an apartment for him, anything like that that's gonna have an inquiry on your credit, you don't want to do. And here's the reason why is that when you're getting a mortgage, the underwriter is going to do what's called an LQI or a quality control credit report about a week or two before the closing. And they will see any and all inquiries you've done on your credit when they pull that report. They will see any debt that you've charged up, which we'll talk about in a second. But they're going to see that. And when they see that, it's a red flag. And I've seen circumstances where it could completely blow your entire transaction up, whether you're buying or refinancing, because you went and got a new credit card. Or I had a client that bought a car, car yeah. during the process, you know, and that's just a big issue. So you don't want to do anything like that. And I know emergencies come up. I do. So when those emergencies come up, back to communication, talk to your loan officer, talk to your processor, right, tell so them. So they're trying to get a loan for, they're trying to get a mortgage. Trying, someone's trying to get a mortgage. Um, it's winter, ice storms, snowstorms. Somebody gets into an accident. To the car's totaled, by, determined by the insurance company, and they cut them a check, and they say, well, here, it's mm -hmm. probably not going to cover the entire amount of a car that you get, but this is what your coverage, you know, here, here's your check. Uh, and then uh, that same person goes and gets a used car. Um, but it's more than what the check was cut for from the insurance company. Okay. So that, let's say, and they don't have cash. Um, They're going to need to take a loan. A small, a okay. small loan. But let's this say is where, Gary, the part you missed is after that car accident, even as soon as from the tow truck dealer from the car dealer they bring they tow it you need to be calling your loan officer texting them hey just got in a car did accident. he just ruin their opportunity to get a mortgage they may not have i had this happen last month and it was fine but the okay. reason it was fine is because of the communication because i knew the documents the underwriter was going to ask for we knew the payment on the new vehicle this exact scenario happened to me recently and it didn't derail the process but it could have and it would have, and it at the very least would have created a lot of extra stress and a lot of last minute things if they hadn't texted me and said, Rob, I just had this happen and I need, need a new vehicle. How should we handle it? Let your loan officer run the numbers and make sure it's going to be okay. And if not, you have to make that decision. Do you want to buy a house and get a mortgage or do you want to buy a car? Sometimes it's well, either I mean, or. But before we you gotta go get on- to work, you need a car. Before we go on, as far as the best practices around debt, you don't want to make any large charges on your credit cards. Because again, those will show up that could derail your debt to income ratio. It might kick you out of getting the loan program that you originally approved for. So again, if you have an emergency scenario, discuss it with your loan officer ahead of time. Let them know how much you're needing to charge. They might be able to say, oh yeah, put it on this credit card, not that one. Or different ideas or solutions for you. No large deposits into your bank account more than 25% of your income without discussing. That's something we've touched on Ooh. quite a bit. Don't make a bunch of transfers from one bank account to another, or retirement to bank account, and back and forth and back and forth. Create such a hassle, and I see people do it all the time. They're moving money from one bank to another, and it's not like they're not actually making money. There's no income. They're just moving money from one to another. There's a lot of extra paperwork that goes into that. And the last thing is don't switch bank accounts or make 
any financial changes without discussing it with your loan officer first. So you see the theme here. It's a matter of don't do this, but if you have to, communicate. Let's talk about yeah. it. That's going to make sure that there's not a derailed mortgage and that it's not going to put your stress through the roof when something like this happens. But Rob, that makes sense because communication in anything, work, your 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 marriage, yep. your partner, your significant other, um, your friends, mm-hmm. I mean, look, I mean, your clients, that whatever you do for a living, communication is key all, all across the board. What about jobs and income? Um, what are some common issues that can derail the mortgage process? Yeah, now? this is a big one because it happens so often. And you would think you're getting a mortgage, huge financial transaction. We're verifying income, employment and all that. You would think that people know not to do these things, but they don't. And that's why <laughs> I'm talking about it today. So number one is don't change positions during the mortgage process. Don't change jobs, you know, moving, even if it's in the same company, just don't. What if it's an increase? Again, it can be okay, but the best practice is just not to do it. Because if you're approved with your current position, your current income, your current job, there's just always... You're, you're opening up a box here and they of say, potential. Rob, I had this opportunity and it was, if I didn't take it now, it was going to be gone. And I don't know if I'd ever be. It depends in the, on the opportunity, as we'll talk about. Sometimes if it's just an increase in salary. I'm going from this job to this job, same company. It's just a lateral move up with a higher salary. That can be okay. But like we've been saying all episode here, talk to your loan officer ahead of time. Don't do this and then backtrack because we can't really help you then say, here's what I'm looking to do and how will this affect me? Let us tell you, let us look at your loan and determine if it could affect you. There's certain cases where I could say, if you do anything, if you literally pull a hair out of your head, you will not qualify for that loan. It's really sometimes that tight. And the tighter it is, the less you want to create friction like this, right? So don't change jobs. Don't change positions. Absolutely do not change careers. Okay, I don't care if you're going from making 50 grand a year to 100 grand a year. It doesn't matter. If you're changing careers, there can sometimes be a huge issue with underwriting. Uh, We don't have time to go into the detail of how that works in different loan programs, but it could make it so you may not even qualify at all, even if your income is going up. So that's number one. A big one that I see people think not being a big deal, that is, is going from a W-2 job to a 1099 job. That can be big. Or vice versa, going from 1099 to W-2. Obviously, 1099 to W-2 is better. But either one, any one of those changes can create friction and issues during the process. Going from salary to a commission, even if you're W-2, if you're going from a straight salary to a commission or you're changing the type of pay structure, maybe you didn't used to get a bonus, now you're going to start getting a bonus, but they're low lowering your salary, different things like that. Maybe now you're getting overtime you weren't before. All these little things, it's just a matter of communicating, talking, knowing, because so many people, some who may be listening right now, have had mortgages denied because they did the things that we're saying not to do, and they didn't discuss it with the people that they should have. The last one I'll give you, and this is a no-brainer, but I've had it happen once, is quitting your job before closing or getting fired before closing. Um, I had a client when I was new in the industry that actually he got fired the day before closing. So he was getting ready to refinance, great loan. He was going to save all this money. They called his employer um, from the funding department to verify he was still working there and he wasn't. The loan did not close. So whether it's quitting or getting fired or you're thinking about quitting or you're thinking about talking to your... um, you know, employer about switching jobs. Just don't do that during the mortgage process. Close on your home, close on your mortgage, do it the next day, do it the next week. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. 
with uh, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. If you can reach him, maybe schedule an appointment if you like what you're hearing. 860-413-3938. I'll repeat that number, give you the website, email address, uh, uh, forthcoming, all towards the end of the show. Um, Rob, how, how can researching mortgages and loans on the Internet actually cause issues when trying to have a smooth mortgage process. Yeah. Well, there's so much misinformation out there. And like we've been saying, you know, mortgage companies have different guidelines, different underwriters, different investors. There's something in the mortgage industry called overlays. What overlays are are specific guidelines that companies put that are company specific. Um, or bank specific, right? So your credit union might not give you a loan, but a mortgage banker like myself will because that credit union has overlays that we don't. Well, if you're looking on the internet, there's so much information. It's information overload. You're going to get very confused. A lot of the information you see about loan programs and interest rates aren't even real. They're just marketing gimmicks to get you to respond or apply. I've had people that go into a website to check an interest rate and they end up applying for a mortgage and they didn't even know it. And I call them and say, what's this inquiry? Oh, I didn't know I wasn't applying for a mortgage online. I thought I was just looking at what today's rates were. So there's just a lot of sneaky things online and even some scams that you want to stay away from. And it's also confusion. You know, when you go on Google and put something in, I don't care if it's a question about a medical issue or if it's a question about a mortgage or finances, you plug it in, you get so much information, it creates analysis paralysis. You want to read through everything and then you're going to get conflicting information. And a lot of the time it will confuse you and your loan officer because some of the questions you're asking might not even make sense. And it's based on an article you read on someone's blog from 2009. Okay, I've seen that happen. Mm. This industry is always changing. Guidelines are always shifting. Interest rates are changing on a daily, sometimes multiple times a day. So looking at information on the Internet that's a week, a month, years old is it's a recipe for disaster. So that's why going online to get your mortgage advice or even find an advisor from some website that's three states away or across the country. It's usually not going to be in your best interest to do that. Don't get confused. Find that local loan advisor. Find that expert to guide you to hold your hand to make sure that the information you're getting is accurate and it's relevant today, not previously. All right. So when someone is buying a home um, and they need to prove assets or funds that are available for the closing, what are some common issues you see there that can cause stress then during the entire process of getting the mortgage? So when you're actually buying a home, uh, it's, you know, it can be stressful like we were talking about, but it's almost always going to be mandatory that we look at where the money's coming from that you're actually using to get into the home for your down payment, closing, et cetera. Most common is going to be retirement fund, savings account. Are you getting a gift from a family member? Each one of these accounts or each one of these different types of assets is going to have different requirements. So this is where, again, setting that game plan up front during that pre-approval process is so imperative because Nobody understands that's buying a home for the first time how gift funds work and where the money and how the money needs to transact. They think they need to get the money into their account and sometimes they end up screwing it up. So let's talk about that from day one. Where's the money coming from you're using to buy the home? And then what are the practices around that that's going to satisfy your lender and your underwriter? The uh, big red flag is tons of transfers from one account to another. We talked about that. that, And I see it all the time. And it's like someone's just taking money, moving it all around. We have to get all this extra paperwork. Large deposits that are more than 25% of your income that we don't have a paper trail for, 
Um, that can be huge. I've seen people cashing out like cryptocurrency, mm -hmm. Bitcoin and things and transferring it in. I've seen people getting money from, you know, their friends, cousins, brothers, uncle that <laughs> owed them five grand from three years ago. They'll put that in. There's all these sources of funds that are not necessarily able to be used for closing. You can't just assume that it's going to be okay. Talk to your loan officer ahead of time. And last but not least around that is 30 to 60 day seasoning on the money. So money you're using for closing, you have to have seasoning on. It has to be in your bank account for a certain amount of time. So if you've got some of these you know, quote unquote, funny business or funny money that's from sources <laughs> that we can't prove. Right. We got to plan ahead. So it's in the bank account for enough time that it won't be questioned and it won't be an issue for the underwriter. All right. I'm running out of time. I got time for one more question. If you can answer sure. it quickly. Talk about some things that you do as a mortgage loan originator to help ensure that these issues, well, they, that they don't derail the underwriting of a mortgage. Then. Sure. So I have you know, enough experience in the industry. I've done thousands of loans. So something I do is I pre-underwrite the loan. I also have my processor and my assistant look over the loan file. Always a second set of eyes can bring up things that the first set doesn't. We're looking for potential issues or red flags that could come up even before you're under contract on a home because we want to get them handled ahead of time. We want to set the stage with you. We want to set expectations. If we do that early with everyone, it's a much easier and stress-free process. Next thing is, you know, um, actually discussing these do's and don'ts we're talking about now. Everybody's individual. Everybody's got their own situation. So there may be some other do's and don'ts we're not even discussing here that would be applicable to some of our listeners. Let's talk about it in your specific situation. The entire thing, your income, your assets, your credit, what needs to be done to get you in a good spot? Something I do is I give my clients what's called my keys to success guide. This is something that I put together over the last couple of years. It's just a couple page document that shows you the main do's and don'ts, many of which we're talking about here today. Um, also discussing best ways to communicate, best times to communicate, best methods to communicate. And last but not least is using the online portal I alluded to earlier. In my case, I use an online portal called Flowify. It's phenomenal. It uses text messages emails, everything. It's very up to date and they're constantly improving it. It will keep you and your realtor involved in the transaction so you know exactly where you're at, where we're on track for everything. And even if I don't talk to you, you'll get an email and a text message and all these other communications telling you where you're at so that there's no question or concern. Wow. You answered that in record time. Oh my, we got two minutes left. Um, I, I, I have an... I, I'll ask one more question if you don't mind. Yeah. All right. Because then I got I, there's some billboard things I've got to do at the very, very, very end. Uh, I, and I know you're putting out tons of new content all the time to keep your listeners and followers from all over up to date on what's going on in real estate, financial, and the whole mortgage world. Just really, and I mean really quickly, just tell everyone where they can find or you or follow you and maybe even see you. Yeah. So if what we're talking about is resonating, you know, let's connect online. Probably the best place is YouTube. Um, my YouTube channel have hundreds of videos on there. Um, and you can see that right on YouTube. It's under Rob Weinberg Mortgage. All oh. one word, Rob Weinberg Mortgage on YouTube. Facebook, you can find us under Weinberg Mortgage. Instagram, Weinberg Mortgage. And on Twitter, Weinberg Lending. And Weinberg is W-E-I-N. B-E-R-G, <laughs> if anyone has trouble spelling it. So you can find us all over. And we're talking about what we're going over today, but we are also have tons of other information and new things coming out and other videos and information that you're not even hearing about here. So if it's resonating, go ahead, subscribe, like us, follow us, and uh, look forward to having you as one of our 
uh, trusted members here the following. But do this first. Check out his website. It's www.ConnecticutMortgageLending.com. Once again, ConnecticutMortgageLending.com. By the way, if you've got a question that you'd like uh, answered, maybe right here on these very airwaves as soon as, say, even next week, if you are if you thought of it, I'm sure others have thought of it as well. So you take the initiative. Contact us, and we'll have Rob answer your question right on the airwaves. Mortgage Matters Radio Show at Gmail. Dot com. Again, it's that simple. Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. If you'd like to schedule a meeting, uh, then let's do it this way. Give them a call. 860-413-3938. Once again, to set up that meeting, it's 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Until next Saturday, have a good... Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.